glad you're here. We're in between seasons, which means we're diving into a short conversation and there's a guest on the pod. Watson is back. Hi, Watson. Hello. And today we are talking about bad movies and why we love them because because we love them. We, we, we do. I like, I mean, the level of made-for-TV bad horror movies. Like, I want to see zippers on the back of monster costumes and ridiculous cliche plots. This makes me happy. <laughs> We're going to talk about a couple of our favorite bad movies, but we'll also be breaking that conversation up into two parts. Movies that are in fact bad, but we love them anyway. We acknowledge their horribleness. We still love them. And then movies that people say are bad, but that we think are actually good movies. And we're clearly in the right here. Like We are obviously correct and the rest of humanity is wrong. (laughs) These are good movies. Subtle difference, but we'll we'll get there. Um, So we've each put together a list of five favorite bad movies that we acknowledge are bad. Movies that are just not subjectively, but objectively horrible. Mm. And yet, despite the ridiculous plots and questionable dialogue, we still love them. I've... I put mine to compare, and we'll just go back and forth. Did you do yours, like, my top five or just five random? I did. It might not be top five, but it's the top five that in my researching I could come up with. with. I made a list of all of the ones that I own that are (laughs) either objectively terrible or everybody says they're terrible, and it was fairly long. In my defense, I bought a lot of those DVDs when Blockbuster was yes. doing the 5 for 20 sale, and I was like, what the heck? I might as well buy it. That is, when you look at my DVD collection, I would say probably 80% of that is Blockbuster DVDs. Uh-huh. For they, those man, very same they sold those dirt cheap. It was just... They did. All right, well, what's up on your list? What's the first one on your list? All right, the first one is probably, honestly, the most objectively terrible. It is uh, Death Race 2. Okay, specifically <laughs> 2. Okay. Two. Well, 2 and 3, honestly. But, okay, so this is these are the sequels, technically prequel, to the, I believe it's a Jason Statham movie where there's the prisoners compete in these car races to the death in order to be set free because that is a thing that's good for society, I guess. I don't, But usually the protagonist is somebody who's like, oh no, he's secretly, a, you know, the felon with the heart of gold type. But in two and three, said protagonist is played by Luke Goss, who I have a deep... Um, attraction to. Luke Goss played the evil prince in Hellboy 2, and he was also in this fabulous movie called Interview with a Hitman, which was also bad, but he played a hitman and killed a lot of people, and I like that in a character. (laughs) Of course you do. But So it's got Luke Goss as Ving Rhames, Sean Bean is in it, and Danny Trejo is in it. Oh. (laughs) It's a Danny Trejo movie. It is ridiculous. Does Sean Bean make it to the end? he does die i know that he dies in it in it he's he's kind of a side character he's the one that screws over luke goss in the very beginning because luke goss is a a a getaway driver and he gets caught and thrown in prison so the death race is kind of the perfect thing for him um but it's it's terrible but that man is there's something very attractive about that (laughs) man to me and so i will watch almost anything that he's done (laughs) All right. Well, what was the Rotten Tomato reviews for that one? Uh, Rotten Tomatoes had a uh, 17% for the critics and a 37% for audience. So I I was not the only one that was like, (laughs) "Mm, but he's pretty. Um, My favorite quote from a review was, hey, action films like Inception only come around every once in a while. We have to watch something. (laughs) I, I love like, it. Yes, I love the acknowledgement, though, yes. too, that this doesn't have to be fabulous cinema. Mm. I want to be entertained. Yes, and I think there's a, 
a, a niche group of people that have like grabbed hold of that. And mm-hmm. I think to an extent, Keanu Reeves has done that, that, you know, I'm here to entertain. I'm not looking to make some big political statement or some dramatic, you know, yeah, he's not chasing, an he's not chasing an actor. He's ha- act- Oscar. <laughs> he's having fun with his career and he's making the kind of movies. I think he probably just uh-huh. likes and wants to see. All right, so my first one is Waterworld, starring Mr. Kevin Costner. Uh, It's set in an apocalyptic world where um, basically the earth is just water. Um, It's all of dry land has been covered in water, and so people are surviving on boats, and so there's the people that... um, are, are traders and that kind of thing and have learned how to grow stuff on the boats themselves. And then there's the Smokies who still use gasoline powered vehicles who are looking for this young child who supposedly has a map to dry land that's still, you know, not, <laughs> not buried in water uh, that hasn't been drowned out. Um, she ends up on Kevin Costner's boat with her guardian, Helen, and they do not get along at first because he's grouchy, but he's also a fish man. And that is why this is bad. He's a fish man. He's a grouchy fish man with zero personality. And then you have um, Dennis Hopper, who is the leader of the Smokies, who is so corny and campy and he does exactly what he typically does. Like, just think of him on speed, too, but, like, up a few notches <laughs> of camp. It's, it's just horrible. The plot is kind of stupid. The characters are just not developed well. But overall, the reason why I love it so much is that visually, it's a very appealing movie. Like, you can imagine these, the way they've structured the boats and being out on the open water. And then the idea, too, of how people have moved beyond gasoline, but then you've got these people that are kind of stuck in it and they haven't evolved with everybody else and are looking for stuff. I, it's just, it's fun. I and, like it. And this one is kind of, is epically bad. Like it is it known is. to it be is bad. Known it is to be it bad. was one of those that like made a splash because it was so terrible. Cause I've, I've heard of it. I've never actually watched Waterworld, oh. but I have heard of it. And it's sort of one of those like, oh my God, it like destroyed careers. And Well, it's, it's almost as if Kevin Costner got stuck in this pattern up because it's not so dissimilar from Dances with Wolves. You know, mm-hmm. that, that kind of the epic feel of it and the colonization of it. And that, like, it, it's all very kind of similar. I can see that. Critics gave it 45%. The audience gave it 43%. So the critics liked it more than, more than the audience. And my favorite review was, Waterworld is ugly, loud, stupefyingly absurd. Ooh, stupefyingly. <laughs> That's a good one. I yes. like it. All right, what's your next one? All right, uh, my next one is um, a movie called Fired Up, which sort of disappeared into obscurity shortly after it came out. I went to see it in the theaters with my friend, I think because her boyfriend wanted to see it at the time. It's a stupid cheerleader sex comedy thing. I'm not a fan of stupid comedies in general. We laughed so hard (laughs) it's about two boys they're on the football team and as teenage boys do basically just want to get laid as much and as often as possible and they realize that all of the cheerleaders are going off to cheerleader camp for over the summer and if they join the cheerleading team they get to go to said camp and be surrounded by thousands of girls that are then available for (laughs) (laughs) sex it doesn't it doesn't come off as creepy like i don't it's been a couple of years since I've watched it, but I don't, they don't like push 
too hard or anything. Okay. It's more just like, hey, do you want to, no, okay, hey, do you want, like, with, they're just playing a numbers game at this yeah. point. But it was very entertaining. It's got uh, Eric Christian Olsen on it, who is now on NCIS Los Angeles and has been for several years. It also has John Michael Higgins in it, who a few years later did Best in Show. Okay. And I find him hilarious. He spends like the whole movie just screaming. He's one of the, the top coaches that is there running the camp. That is, And he's just, he's hilarious. And it's one of those things where you're looking at him going what are you doing in this movie? <laughs> yeah. Which I find myself asking a lot with my bad movie list. You'll be like, okay, okay. And who was in this? There's always at least one where you're like, how did you how did end you, up yeah. here? What script did you read uh-huh. that encouraged you to be here? Or how much money did they <clears throat> offer you? Exactly. It's like Sean Bean in Death Race mm-hmm. too. You're like, how? Who? Okay, sure. Whatever. Um, so that one earned itself uh, 24% with the critics and 54% with the audience. Okay. So clearly, again, I'm not alone in this. Um, but my favorite review comment was, this is not made for anyone with more than a sprinkling of intelligence. <laughs> it's just a ridiculous, stupid comedy. Did and I tend come not out to like those. Before or after Bring It On? Um, this was 2009, so oh, afterwards. Okay. So maybe hit the yeah. tail end of that, that yeah. cheerleading phase. Yeah, that it was, it's very much reminiscent of a 90s mm-hmm. teen comedy. So maybe that's why I actually liked it. I was like, this I miss is nostalgia. Those. I miss 90s teen comedies. All right, so my next one is Center Stage. A young ballerina who has apparently really bad feet, doesn't have the right kind of feet <laughs> for ballet. Movie. She is struggling at this prestigious ballet school in New York City, and then she becomes the muse of the ballet company's prodigy this the the bad boy the bad boy prodigy uh it is everything about this movie is pretty bad the dialogue is really horrible the Mm. acting is really horrible there's a few characters that they hired that are actors that were in fact dancers and that is why they Mm -hmm. hired him them him in particular is one of them yeah (laughs) the love interest so it's there's no acting really it's just really bad the last this Dance sequence at the end, while highly amusing, that bad boy prodigy guy hams it up so much in all of his facial expressions. But while you're watching, you're rooting for the main girl, the young ballet girl, the whole time. You do like her. You, Mm -hmm. You see her struggling and want to be the best that she can be, and it's kind of her first time away from home. And then there's also, um, oh, what's her name is in it? Zoe Saldana. Zoe Saldana's in it. Who so actually really well. had a dance background. Mm-hmm. That's how she got there. And she is very good in it. It's yes. one of the few, like, you can tell that it's her. Because occasionally I love movies like that where they pan, like, backwards and you're like, that's no longer the actor. That's <laughs> yes. the dancer. That was definitely her. That's not what's her name on Save the Last Dance anymore. She <laughs> no. has a dance double. <laughs> so I love that one. Um, critics gave it 42%. But the audience gave it 82%. Nice. Uh, my favorite review was if I, if I was a 12-year-old girl who takes any sort of dance classes, this would be my favorite film of all time. But I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. There was a whole slew there of was. dance, of specifically ballet movies that mm-hmm. came out right around the same time. Well, and not far after that, the hip-hop phase. You got into, mm-hmm. what was that, Honey and yes. um, Step Up. and So there were several of them that came right after that. Everybody got mm-hmm. really into dancing. And Channing Tatum, very close together. So. And I think, is that when they then remade Footloose and were like, oh shit, too far, stop yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> like, nope, nope. 
It wasn't horrible. It was bad. It was bad. It wasn't it wasn't the best. The original was definitely better. All right, what's your next one? Oh, uh, my next one is Robin Hood that just came out a few years oh. ago. It came out in 2018 with Taron Edgerton in it. Um, We've watched one, this we one have, several times together. It. I enjoy the hell out of it. Part of the, it leans into the ridiculousness. There is not even any semblance of historical accuracy. No. They're just like whatever we're gonna do it's a knight's tale version mm-hmm. of historical accuracy but nowhere near as good as knight's tale. no but it does have and i because i love him ben mendelson playing the villain and i mean yes you've got taryn edgerton you've got jamie dornan you've got all these other people um jamie fox jamie fox is in it but i love ben mendelson as a villain he was mm-hmm. the villain in rogue one he was the villain in ready player one realizing as i'm saying them out loud that there's a similarity there but <sighs> He's got a he does menacing fabulously he does well. Um and there are parts of that movie where even I'm going, oh god, no, this is <laughs> this is terrible. But overall, I really enjoy it. There's one chase scene where you're like, this would fit right into Fast and the Furious. There's mm-hmm. nothing about this that says With like horses. Yeah, there's horses and carriages, but then there's explosions and you're like, what what what, what is exploding? <laughs> I think Edgerton He's an athlete. You see it in Kingsman too. So mm-hmm. he's athletic enough to pull off those action sequences, which work then. You need somebody that can actually pull that off. But he plays cocky really well. He d- so it's that a, combination of him. In sort of like a, a sweet way, though. Mm-hmm. It, it's, there, there's a boyishness yes. to him, so he gets away with that. Because, yeah, I, I love all of his stuff. But, yeah, if I think it was a different actor. It could very easily go icky but mm-hmm. he's he's just got the face that There's you're just a like oh uh-huh. you're adorable um so 15 percent for the Ooh, critics on Rotten tomatoes on that and 40 for the audience uh so you know again i think the theme with a lot of these is you know like they're not made for the critics yeah. like, you people are too harsh on movies i want to be entertained that's the thing that that always frustrates me with critics it's fine to acknowledge a movie's bad but there should never be the expectation that all of them are supposed to be super great. Like some, yes. like some are blockbusters are not supposed to blow you away uh-huh. by being these deep imaginative things. They blow things up and they, you know, and they entertain. Yes. And so you've got to acknowledge that a bit. I mean, how many years of Marvel movies? There's no Oscar yeah. nods there, but mm-hmm. they made a ridiculous amount of money and they were very good. Mm-hmm. So they don't have to be that. Um, but okay, so my favorite review for that one was an extremely dumb yet enjoyable movie that might be your preferred flavor of trash, <laughs> which I think sums up my movie watching habits so well. Yes. Like, yes, this is my flavor of trash. It's terrible. I love it. Give me more. Yes. My next one is Simply Irresistible, starring Sarah Michelle Geller and Sean Patrick Flannery. Um, oh. So a young chef who is trying to save her mother's restaurant. But she's this, a terrible chef. She's a terrible <laughs> chef. She It's a bit of magical realism. She discovers that she can basically cook her emotions into the food that she's making, and so that the people that eat her food are then experiencing the emotions she was feeling as she was cooking them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, it's there. Like a, That's why it's bad. That's it's why like it's a bad. discount like water for chocolate. Yes, it is definitely a B movie. Um, her wardrobe is ridiculous. It is horrible. Her hairstyles are ridiculous. She wears butterfly clips at one it's point. Very, yeah, when did it come out? Like that was it was peak butterfly clip yes. time for that. But can we talk about the magical crab? <laughs> there is a magical crab. Well, I I have to wait okay. because that's part of my review. Oh, all right. But there is a magical crab because this man gifts her crabs at the <laughs> farmer's market. 
and she and she doesn't want to kill one. One kind of refuses to die, and so um, she just keeps it as a pet. And so there's why I love it. It's sweet. There's a sweetness to it. I love magical realism. So the idea that it's not this bold fantastical magic that it's just something that kind of happens if you've ever read a sarah addison allen book um mm -hmm. you'll understand or uh shock a lot the movie shock a lot has nice. that as well so it's it's just it's sweet and it's stupid and i think that's why because i just you're laughing the whole time patricia clarkson as sean patrick so sean patrick flannery is trying to help open this restaurant in a shopping mall and Patricia Clarkson is his secretary, and she is perfect as always. I mean, if you loved her in Easy A, you will love her in this. She is fantastic. Yes. So the critics only gave it 16%. The audience gave it 54%. So at least half the people that walked into the theater enjoyed it. If it even went to the theater. I don't uh, know if it went to the theater. It does feel very hallmarky. Yes, like, it, it reminds me of um, The Good Witch that movie series that was on yes. either Hallmark or Hallmark. Lifetime yeah, or something it similar. It's, it's got a similar vibe to it where mm -hmm. you're like, this was not a big budget production, <laughs> no, but not. that's okay. Uh, my favorite quote was, any movie featuring a crab wearing a tuxedo complete with top hat can't be all that bad. <laughs> yes. That is, yes. yes. All right, what's your next one? All right, my next one here is Queen of the Damned from oh, 2002. Okay. With Aaliyah and Stuart oh, Townsend. Stuart Townsend. I honestly, it was a little surprised at how low it was rated, just because I expected some uh, sympathy votes for Aaliyah, because she did die like before the movie came mm -hmm. out. So I kind of ex half expected it to have a higher critics rating, just because they were like, well, we can't rate it down right after she died. That would be mean. But apparently they didn't care. Um, <laughs> it was just that bad. Yes. It is. It's based kind of loosely on an Anne Rice. <laughs> novel there um one of one of her vampire ones it is incredibly campy and very peak like early 2000s in terms of style with the trench coats and in the the dark and the goth and the hair and it's it's all very on point for the time period but it really hit right into that part of me that wants the sexy immortal vampire to fall in love with me and only me and the make me as like vampire queen or whatever it was she was at the end. I don't know. There, the, the adolescent part of me was just like, yes, Stuart Townsend. <laughs> I will run away with you. Make me immortal. It's fabulous. Um, that one was 16% from the okay. critics, but 66% from the audience. I think wow. that might be some sympathy votes yes. in there because it's not a very good... He's a vampire who has been sleeping for centuries and because he, he was a musician, he played the violin and he wakes up because there's a rock band playing that he can hear <laughs> and he becomes the lead of this rock band and shoots to stardom and, and is pissing off all the other vampires because he's like, I'm a vampire. And they're like, we don't say that out loud. Because um, I, I don't know why he was. And then Aaliyah wakes up from being a statue and then she's not a statue anymore. She's the queen of the vampires. It's I should probably read the book so yeah. I understand what was going on because the movie didn't really explain she it very well. She had quite the imagination, Anne Rice. She did. Um, my favorite quote from the reviews for that one was, it isn't great entertainment or camp, but this picture sets its ambitions so low it can't help partially delivering on them. <laughs> <laughs> like, there we go. Start out with the bar yes, low, low and you'll be all right. All right, my next one is Bird on a Wire with Mel Gibson and Goldie oh. Hawn. Um, so this man, he is a in the witness protection system. What's that called? Program. program. It's a program. <laughs> the witness protection program. And uh, he has been discovered that the group that he's trying to put away has discovered where he's at. So he 
accidentally ends up um, back with his ex-girlfriend who he had left to save her, and that happens to be Goldie Hawn. Um, she is wants nothing to do with him because she thinks he just left for no reason. And so then the two were kind of running for their lives, trying to stay away. They end up at a zoo at the end, and the, like the big showdown is in the middle of a zoo that they have free rain over in the middle of the night. It's kind of pokey. Uh, it's it's not the pairing. I would have gone for Mel Gibson <laughs> and Goldie Hawn. Ooh, in my summer of Goldie, it is obvious that she should only really do movies with Kurt Russell. Well, yes. Um, but she is in there with Mel Gibson, and um, he you don't like either one of them. They're both kind of just terrible personalities. But it, in the strangest way, it works. Uh, Goldie has enough of her Goldie charm because she's basically just playing the same character that she always plays. Um, Mel is a decent enough action star that you like the ac- you know, the action sequences and the chases. It is a movie I saw when I was little, and I don't know why. I don't, I don't believe this is one that my parents would have shown, <laughs> shown me. But it stayed with me, and then I watched it again, I don't know, probably 10 years ago, and I was like, no, I still love this movie. This is bad. <laughs> this is bad, but I still love this movie. It only got 27% from the critics and 40% from the audience. My favorite um, quote was, Mel and, <laughs> Mel and Goldie snap, crackle, and pop together. I don't know what that means. I don't know what it means. You know, I, and it makes me kind of sad to watch now because I really did like Mel Gibson once upon a time before he got all crazy and anti-Semitic. But uh-huh. He was he was a good action star and a like a lot of times just a likable guy in the movies that he was playing. So yeah, I like several of his movies. Bird on a Wire, that's mine. <laughs> What's your next? All right, is this your last one? Uh, this is my last okay. one. Uh, my last one is Pompeii from 2014 oh, okay. with uh, Kit Harington and uh, Kiefer Sutherland and Emily Browning and Carrie Ann Moss and the guy playing Carrie on Ann Moss's husband, who I can't remember at the moment. Um, But this is set right before the explosion in Pompeii. It was a huge blockbuster budget. It was right when Kit Harington had just done a couple of seasons of Game of Thrones. So he was at like, oh my God, he's Jon Snow. (laughs) Ah!" Um, So they threw an action movie at him. He did get incredibly fit for it and is half naked several times for which I am grateful. Um, but the, the movie was not, not all that great. No. Uh, he plays a slave who ends up as a gladiator who has impressed Emily Browning's character, um, fairly early on cause he helps a horse. He helps the horse by killing it, but the horse was very wounded. So, yeah. And then Kiefer Sutherland shows up and he wants to marry Emily Browning because he has a lot of power, but that's really creepy because he's really old compared to her. And then the whole mountain explodes and you're like, oh my God. That's one that bothers me because it's like they they realize, oh, we can just build a movie around CGI because it's Uh almost entirely... It, it really is. There's, there's not, and I think that's part of why, like, the stakes don't feel all that high yeah. in it, like, because it's so far removed from that. But it's a lot of pretty people, and Kiefer Sutherland, I swear to God, knew how bad the movie was because he's just chewing the scenery the whole time. He's just like, I'm evil, <laughs> <laughs> and this is fun. Um, so it, it got uh, 27% from the critics and 34% from the audience, so nobody liked it all that much. I enjoy it. Again, he's pretty. They flirt. There's a run, you know, bunch of nice fight scenes and, and trying to save the girl from the evil guy, which is always entertaining to me. Um, my favorite 
Review quote was, why, when an estimated 16,000 lives were lost when Vesuvius erupted in 79 AD, does Pompey tell a story about the least interesting of them? <laughs> I like how they try to be as witty as possible. Yes. Or they're punny a lot of times, too. Uh-huh. In, in our next episode, when we talk about the ones that we actually think are good movies, um, they, they get... One of my movies has the word night in it, and I swear they try to use night in all of it or yes. some kind of medieval thing. So, all right, my last one is I the critic score surprised me on this one. I did not realize it was as low as it Ooh. is. Uh, is Cocktail starring Mr. Tom Cruise? Oh. It's about an ambitious bartender who kites and falls in love with two people his mentor guy, not romantic love, but it becomes mm. this friendship that's rather toxic, to be honest. And then this woman who he discovers only after whining and dining her in Jamaica and getting her pregnant that she is an heiress to a New York fortune. But now she wants nothing to do with him because that toxic friendship kind of ruined their romance. Wow. Uh, I love this movie so much. Why it's bad is... Um, all of the characters are horrible human beings. Mm. There is... you. Even though you end up kind of liking Brian Flanagan at the end, you don't. Not really, because he's really not a stand-up guy. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just, it's hard to like any of them. And it's also really just kind of corny. He's really just becomes a bartender because he just, he wants, well, he's trying to put himself through school and then he realizes he can sleep with a lot of women and make some money. So he, yeah, it's hard. And then you have this woman, she's an artist. Um, She appears to be intelligent, but then she lets herself get duped by him when she can clearly see you know, what he's after and what kind of man he is. So that always drives me nuts as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so just toxic behavior uh, is is what this movie is all about. Um, the, uh, the critics gave it 9%. Nine, Ooh, 9%. That's impressive. The audience gave it 58%, but 9%. Uh, lots of flat beer puns in the reviews for this because <laughs> of the bartending, but my favorite was just three little words. Very, very stupid. (laughs) My favorite one. We don't need to complicate things. This was just, this was bad. This was bad. All right, so that was our list of movies we acknowledge are bad, but we love them anyway. We're going to talk about one of those movies today, The Saint. Yay! Yes. The Saint was directed by Philip Noyce. He has a long IMDb filmography, but not really impressive. (laughs) He's made a lot of things, but I mean, there are a few films that are pretty good, and you'll probably know like Patriot Games, Clear and Present Danger, The Bone Collector, Quiet American, but nothing in quite a while, Mm -hmm. um, and nothing of great like (laughs) prestige. The story was written by Jonathan Hensley, Hensley and the screenplay attributed to Wesley Strick. Hensley also worked on A Far Off Place. Did you ever see that with Reese Witherspoon and Ethan Embry? I don't think so. Fantastic movie where uh, Reese lives in the African, I don't know deserts and um she is forced to cross the kalahari desert because um some poachers 
have killed her entire family, and they've got to try to get her and Ethan Embry, who was just visiting, have to get to safety. Um, so it's a great movie. He also worked on Armageddon, Jumanji, <gasps> The Punisher, and Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, which I will talk about one day because I love it so much. Yes. Strick is credited on, sorry, Arachnophobia, mm. uh, 1991's Cape Fear, and several episodes of The Man in the High Castle, which oh. that show terrified me. That was good. It was very, very good, but it was scary. So it came out, The Saint came out in 1997, and of course stars Val Kilmer as Simon Templer and as Elizabeth Shue as Dr. Emma Russell, and Alan Armstrong, who plays Torkel in Kroll. I'm just going to throw in <laughs> crawl references whenever I can until I can talk oh, about that as well. Box office report, not that it would have stood a chance, but in 1997, nothing stood a chance. The budget was an estimated $68 million. It only made $16 million in its <laughs> opening weekend and only grossed $61 million domestically. Thank goodness for the worldwide box office, which came in at $118 million. So there were some you know, places overseas that really enjoyed it. That always interests me, that uh-huh. there are some things that like we just tank here, but then it goes overseas, and they're like, oh my oh, god. Oh, this is like, great. What? I'm assuming it didn't do well in Russia. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> uh, but 1997 was the year of Titanic. So there oh, was yeah. no movie that was going to you know, do well. That one reached screwed. just shy of $2 billion at the box office. It also was the year of The Lost World, Jurassic Park, Men in Black, Tomorrow Never Dies, and Air Force One in the top five spots. Ooh, so That was a good year for yeah, movies. It was a good year for movies, so The Saint didn't really have a chance. Mm-mm. So, Watson, do you think you could pull together a quick, quick summary of what The Saint is about? Uh, the Saint is about our lovely and very attractive Val Kilmer, who starts off in as a small child in an orphan and you find out that he doesn't really subscribe to all of the rules and beliefs of this very religious orphanage, but he is um, more attracted to a Knights Templar type character, and he's always trying to pick locks to sneak food to all of the other kids. Um, and in the process of one of one such escapade, the little girl that this adorable little boy has a crush on uh, is killed. So I, and then it sort of flashes forward to him being a super thief. Uh, Uh I would kind of like to know what happened in between (laughs) those two things. Um, But this man is now uh, the adult Val Kilmer running around stealing whatever he's hired to steal in order to make... was it $10 million? He I think so. He wants to hit $10 million? Was, it's a million something, yeah. Um, which is kind of laughable in, in today money. You're like, really? That, that, that's, that's it? You're just stopping there? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, come on now. Um, and he gets sort of wrapped up in this international kerfuffle where there is a girl played by Elizabeth Shue who has apparently cracked cold fusion, which is, you know, not really, no, um, where she can create energy out of nothing, and so the Russian oligarchs want him to steal it for them, and he then, of course, falls for the girl, which is delightful, Yes, and they're very cute together, um, and it's called the saint, he's constantly using different saints' names as uh, um, aliases. So why is this one bad? I, Outside it, of his aliases, yes, his yes. costuming and his accents... The hair. The hair. The <laughs> There's this one where he plays this artist. For, searching for yes. me. <laughs> Are so bad. And she falls for it. That's she the does. thing. I'm searching for me. <laughs> You're like, what is, what is coming out of your face, sir? 
no, no, this does not work for me. That it's it's rough in that way. That it's just it it's it's campy. It more is, than but anything. the romance works for me. It does, and it's the the bad boy innocent girl um, dynamic, which I generally like. And he's a bad boy that's not, I mean, yes, he's a thief, so he's bad in that way, but he's mm-hmm. not really a bad boy. Like, a lot yeah. of what he is doing is for good. It's almost another Robin Hood character. Mm-hmm. Cause, and then he names all of his aliases after the saints, so I think there's that element, too, that he thinks he's doing good. Yeah. Because um, that's kind of what he told the little girl mm-hmm. who fell to her death when she was little. The critics gave it 30%, and the audience gave it 63%. So they liked it a Twice as much <laughs> as that the critics. Fair. My favorite one is Kilmer should have stuck with his Batman character, which I think <laughs> is hard. Yes, that's mean. That was not mean. a good Batman character. See, and for me, Kilmer makes the movie. It does. Because he's playing this this thief who you would think of as being incredibly jaded. And he does portray that a few times. But there's a couple of times where, like, when the girl finds him and nobody's mm-hmm. been able to do that, there is this very... Childlike reaction to that, where he's like, Oh my god, you you figured out where I was. Like, he plays it off. Yeah, there's a very childlike Mm -hmm. theme to him, and I think it's because his childhood was so screwed up, his character's childhood was so screwed up that, like, that works really well. So when he does see her again, there's just there's a (laughs) smile, and you're just like, Oh, okay, yes. Yeah, his whole character is because of trauma. That Mm -hmm. you know, who knows what he would have become had he not had that experience in the orphanage when he was little. Well, that is it for today. I think we covered quite a bit. Thank you for joining me. Yay. Um, In case I haven't mentioned it yet, because I honestly can't remember if I have or not. If you are listening from the Indianapolis area, I host trivia at Hoosier Brewing in Greenwood twice a month. The dates are on the Greenwood Public Library's event calendar. It's a lot of fun and something you should totally consider joining. Each trivia night is a different theme. And coming up on September 6th is the movies. We'll explore actors and actresses and famous lions and Oscar darlings, to name a few. The beer is good. The pizza is delicious. It's very good. good. And the company is awesome. So you should join. If you like pop culture and you don't mind listening to me talk, you should come to Pub Trivia at Hoosier Brewing in Greenwood. Well, and if they've been listening to your podcast, they might have a that good idea true. of what types of questions <laughs> and movies one like you might focus on. That so they might have true. a leg up there. And they give away some pretty good prizes. It'll either be Hoosier Brewing gift cards or, I mean, they throw in some different stuff. So uh, definitely come to that. And thank you so much for listening. Really, it is so appreciated. If you haven't already, I hope you subscribe so we can keep going on this journey together. And if you've got the time, it would be awesome if you could rate and review so that other individuals can find the podcast as well. Or if you want to share the podcast, that would be awesome too. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at at M and on Facebook as a bit of fun with Emily. Go have yourself a bit of fun today and I will see you next time.